at the end of the day, and we say this all the time, why are we here? Why is anyone that does this work here? We're here for the student. We're here to prepare them. We're here to enrich them with the skills that they need, both personally and professionally. The workforce landscape is rapidly changing, and educators and their institutions need to keep up. Preparing students before they enter the workforce to make our communities and businesses stronger is at the core of getting an education. But we need to understand how to change and adjust so that we can begin to project where things are headed before we even get there. So how do we begin to predict the future? Hi, I'm Salvatrice Kumo, Vice President of Economic and Workforce Development at Pasadena City College and host of this podcast. And I'm Christina Barsi, producer and co-host of this podcast. And we are starting the conversation about the future of work. We'll explore topics like how education can partner with industry, how to be more equitable, and how to attain one of our highest goals, more internships and PCC students in the workforce. We at Pasadena City College want to lead the charge in closing the gap between what our students are learning and what the demands of the workforce will be once they enter. This is a conversation that impacts all of us. You, the employers, the policymakers, the educational institutions, and the community as a whole. We believe change happens when we work together. And it all starts with having a conversation. I'm Christina Barsi. And I'm Salvatrice Kumo. And this is The Future of Work. Welcome back. This is Salvatrice, your host. And I am joined today again by my friend and dear colleague, in our Department of Economic and Workforce Development, Ms. Leslie Thompson. Leslie, how are you? I'm great. How are you? Pretty good. I have to tell you, I'm going to keep repeating myself. I really enjoy these talks that you and I have because we get to unpack some of the things that are in our brain and even some of the experiences that we've had, like the day of. So It's a great way to reflect, for sure, and keep us honest. For sure. And thinking about reflection, you used a trigger term for me in a good way. We've been triggered. <laughs> we've been doing some reflection for sure in this office and thinking about 2023, you know, what we were able to accomplish, what were some of the opportunities that we perhaps didn't seize correctly or we always do this, right? Like at the end of every year. We start looking back and we try mm-hmm. to wrap up the year. That's right. That's right. And I have to tell you like just based on our meeting today. So, you know, for those listening in, just a little background story. Leslie and I had an opportunity to meet with an external organization and help develop their strategic plan. And what it did for us, I'm going to say us because I, you know, we talked about it. What Mm -hmm. it did for us is it kind of brought out some aha moments about Mm -hmm. this work that we do. And it underscores some of the feelings that we've had as well. And I thought as a reflection episode, like, let's really think that through. Let's think through like what this morning's meeting helped us identify and really how it's going to, you know, position us for the upcoming years that we can continue to do more and better for our students. Okay. So I'm going to share one of mine. I'm going to share one of my moments and then you share one of yours. One of the moments I had was based on the conversation that funding sources drive programming versus need driving the programming. And although we knew that, 
it was really underscored this morning because we were making decisions based on funding sources as an external organization. As a community college, we do follow the lead of the chancellor's office. We do follow the lead of our funding sources, but it's always tied to students, right? It's always tied to students. In this particular instance where we're part of an organization that is tied to workforce development externally, and the fact that we were trying to frame our work around funding sources versus the need, it really just kind of hit home for me. You know, we may want to just pause and re-examine not only their work, but our work and the meaning that we find in our work. Yeah. I like that idea because someone had made the comment during part of the meeting that, you know, there's a lot of people coming to this work now because there's a lot of investment Mm -hmm. in this work. And so you're getting a lot of new people and a lot of things are changing. And But it's all about the same thing. It's all about chasing Mm -hmm. the money which is, you know, that's the way things work. That's the way of the world. Like, I get that. But that doesn't leave a lot of room for kind of higher order thinking or, you know, taking time to really understand the best interest of whoever the client is. So for us at a community college level, yes, we do take the lead of the chancellor's office. Yes, we do seek these funding sources. But we also do our due diligence in understanding what the student needs and barriers are ahead of time. And then we leverage those resources to address those needs and barriers. That's the work of community colleges. That's what we do. And so the fact that PCCEWD is part of a community college, like it's super important for us to orient our work around the values Mm -hmm. of the college while we go out and get that money, while we chase that money, as they say. But to me, I guess I kind of like a personal thing, like this whole idea of getting into this line of work just for the money or chasing down money. Like that's always, that's an age old problem, right? We can't do the work without the money. But the work is meaningless if you don't spend the time reflecting mm-hmm. and considering the larger issues. You got to make sure that you're not continuing mm-hmm. barriers or creating unintentional barriers or just, you know, promoting some systemic issues that you know, if you don't take time to just look at yeah. it, we do that in community college. We do that in, in all of higher education. right? And that's something that I think that outside agencies could do mm-hmm. more of. And I think that that's the value of partnering with education aside from this so-called talent pipeline that we all like to call it, which is another issue for me. But I think that's the value in partnering with education is we're supposed to raise those questions. We're supposed to bring those Mm -hmm. things up. It goes back to what we were talking about earlier in the meeting. Well, you and I were talking about it. We didn't really bring this up (laughs) because of all the things that you just said, like naturally in our work or in our environment of community colleges, we take the time to do that. We take the time to unpack all of the variables that surround, I'm going to use the term, putting talent into jobs, right? Or developing talent into career pathways, whichever term you want to use. Then there lies really kind of the issue, right? Is that this work becomes, unless you're within a community college, and even sometimes within community colleges, it becomes very transactional. Why? Because the funding is driving the work. And in order to receive more funding, that's driven by metrics, right? You have to deliver what we deliver, but then we're not pausing. I think as a system, I'm not talking about community college as a system of workforce development agencies, partners, et cetera. We're not pausing to say, well, what are the true barriers to this work? What really drives this work? At the end of the day, we're in the people business. I'm going to use your phrase. We're in the people business here. Mm-hmm. Like, what are we doing for human impact and human development? That's what you were talking about earlier. And I want to explore that more. 
you know, you mentioned the word commodity in our conversation earlier this morning. Share a little bit about that. Sometimes I feel that the terms that we use and the way we describe, we use a blanket term of workforce instead of people Mm -hmm. or students or, you know, we use this blanket term of workforce or the talent pipeline and we're trying to, you know, get talent to and from. We treat people as if they're commodities in a sense and we're just Mm -hmm. trying to fill a void and we're just trying to sell you for community colleges, we have a talent pipeline that we're trying to sell. We, that's the language we use. We sell the pipeline. That's what we do when we hit the streets, right? Mm-hmm. Because community college students are a great resource for labor and everything else. They're, they're coming out of these systems, educated, skilled, talented, eager, all the things you look for in a prepared, all the things you look for in an employee. Mm-hmm. But for me, it's a fine line between you know, preparation and speaking on behalf of that pool treating them like a commodity just to get deliverables, to get metrics, to get more money. To me, the jobs are the commodity. Why should these students, why should these people go work for your company? Right. What's in it for them? Right. Like they're asking these questions themselves. They're like, what's the value prop of coming to work for your organization? What are your ethical considerations? What's your mission statement? What, what good are you doing in the world? You want what? 40 plus hours of work from me for what? Right. What is it? They need more. Increasingly, we're seeing that people need more than a paycheck to show up. And they don't want to come in, by the way. They want to do it from home. Mm-hmm. Like, there's a lot of things that are shifting and changing. So, one of the big kind of, I had two kind of aha moments this morning at this meeting. And one of them was that, that in my mind, this thing was flipped. And I'm like, no, we shouldn't be selling the pipeline. We should be selling the industry because you got to look at it differently, you know? Right. But to go back to the earlier point that we're talking about people and my concern or my question rather is like, how are we developing people throughout their lifespan? How are we contributing to their ongoing development? We're not doing job placement. We're not an agency. We're not an employment agency here. Those places exist and those places have their own missions and their own goals and their own metrics. But I keep coming back to this idea about what do we do at the community college level as practitioners in this workforce development ecosystem Mm-hmm. that's different than everyone else? That's the million dollar question. Like, what are we doing that's different than everyone else in this space? And I think that's our journey. I mean, I let me rephrase that. I think our journey has led us to this point where we're mm-hmm. saying, okay, we did it the traditional way, right? Like we've proceeded traditionally. Now it's time to, I'm not saying go against the grain here, but maybe just try things a little bit differently. I mean, you just you just said it right now. You said, we need to be selling the industry, not selling the talent. Because to your point, the community colleges do a wonderful job, in my humble opinion. This is just my opinion, and I might have some bias around it, but community colleges do a brilliant job. Our faculty do brilliant work around preparing our students for those careers, I right? Agree. For that job. But we, as a system, workforce system, we continue to try to sell the talent as if the talent is not being trained or educated or I just, do you see where I'm going here? I do. I want to kind of acknowledge that, but also acknowledge that that part of our role too, in fairness Mm -hmm. is to gauge the needs of industry, right? Like if, if the students are coming out, if the output isn't what the industry needs, then our job in our role here on a community college is to come back and inform curriculum to come back and inform the college, like, hey, they're needing these things. 
we need to update our programming. We need to update our curriculum. We need to right. keep up with the changing times. In that sense, we do need to make sure that we're plugged into that and kind of feed that back to the college, right? Mm-hmm. But yes, by and large, you know, they're coming out with these good baseline skills. Like the faculty are doing a phenomenal job, to your point. Our role is also just to kind of not to remind you, but just to kind of for the sake of conversation, our role is mm-hmm. also to inform instruction in that way or to inform mm-hmm. the college for in that sure. way. That, that's our outward facing, turning back in kind of lens. But I agree. Another kind of thing that came up was, and it's come up at other meetings too. Today was the second time in a row with the same group, actually, that mm-hmm. I heard a comment to the effect that, you know, we have this need in this particular industry. It was two different industries. And what we are having a hard time is getting people to understand that it's more than nurses, for example, in healthcare. It's more than we don't, we need more than nurses and frontline workers. We need accountants. We need lawyers. We need graphic artists. We need communications people. We need all these things. And it it came up again today in a different industry. And I'm like, that's what we should be focusing on is getting students to see the options. There's so many options. They want options. They're demanding options. And there's so many. And so maybe we just flip it a little bit like that we're selling this. Look at all these things right. that you can do with this, that, and the other, you know, if you get this degree or you get that certificate or you follow this pathway, you're going to, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that goes back to what you said earlier about selling the industry. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, traditionally we think of the traditional roles within healthcare, but there's so much more. Could we be better at mm-hmm. showcasing those options as demonstrating the cross-discipline work? Yes, we could do better at that. But then that goes back mm-hmm. to what you said, selling the industry. It's both hand in hand, right? It informs curriculum that, you know, cross-discipline curriculum design is really important. We know that. But it's also sharing mm-hmm. that there are some non-traditional pathways within a very traditional sector, especially now with like this influx of AI. I mean, AI has always been here. We talked about this in previous episodes, but you know, AI has always been around, but it certainly has informed the genetic mm-hmm. makeup of our newer occupations, right? Like it's shifted that. And so there's so much more possibility, but I kind of see our work kind of going into the next year is just that, you know, underscoring the value and the meaning of what workforce development is about, you know, human development and this almost like non-transactional narrative that there's so much more to this work than just bridging the gap between industry and talent, right? Like there's so much more and everything in between. There's so much that happens in that gap. For sure. 100%. There is, there's quite a bit that happens, you know, we could sit here for hours talking about that and, and addressing again, those barriers and opportunities, but also simultaneously thinking about how we approach the career possibilities mm-hmm. with our students. There's a lot of room for growth in those two areas for us because at the end of the day, and we say mm-hmm. this all the time, why are we here? Why is anyone that does this work here? We're here for the student. We're here to prepare them. We're here to enrich them with the skills that they need, both personally and professionally to grow, right? And we have to do our job to ensuring that we also address some of those system issues or system barriers or system problems, whatever you want to call it, that we address those Mm -hmm. openly and without hesitation so that we have this very holistic approach to the work 
and we have a very purpose-driven approach to the work. You and I have always kind of had that conversation, you know, these sidebar conversations about like purpose and meaning, and it's so much more than just placing students into jobs and upskilling the existing workforce. It's so much more than that. And I think that now is the time for us to really kind of explore the so much more. Yeah, I agree. Um, and I, I think that in the new year, I know we've talked about, we might consider creating opportunities to have those conversations. I think it's 100% mm-hmm. appropriate to have those conversations at the community college level, at right. any education level. That's what we do in higher ed, right? And also, I'm going to say this, probably most, whatever EWD at other campuses, like here, those of us working in these spaces didn't come to them to chase the money. Most of us answered a call to action within our institutions and found ourselves in this work. We didn't be like, oh, there's money coming into EWD. Let's go do that for a while. We answered a call to action, (laughs) right? We were, an opportunity was presented and we took it. And so at least I can say that, and I don't know if you would agree with me, but I, I feel like I can say that about PCC's EWD. Neither you nor myself were like, hey, there's a lot of money coming into, you know, there was an opportunity and we took it. I would say there was a need. A need and a call to action. Like the college decided Mm -hmm. that something was going to be done and you were doing other work. I was doing other work. You know what I mean? Like this is is the charge now. This is what we're doing now. So we find ourselves here. And so I think it's absolutely Mm. appropriate to have these conversations in these spaces and to create opportunity for them and to use this platform and other platforms at our disposal Mm -hmm. to have those Mm -hmm. conversations and encourage dialogue. I don't expect that an outside agency or a city or any entity like that is going to be like, you know what, let's have a big conversation. They're doing their transactional stuff. They got a lot of other things to do. Not that they couldn't have those conversations. You don't expect Mm -hmm. them to. I don't expect that they're going to call that meeting to order. I feel that that's going to be, in the hands of higher ed, particularly community colleges, especially community colleges. Right. And you're right about like this, we responded to a need and a call to action. I would also say those that are in, one could argue any line of work or any profession, but specifically within this arena that we work in, in higher ed and workforce development, there's an intentional drive to that. Mm-hmm. There's an intentional drive to fulfill the mission of the institution and fulfill the mission of our role. Maybe it's because of the lens that we see this work. Like we see this work as so much more than talent development and and filling a need gap. Like we see it as so much more. So maybe, so maybe that's where I'm coming from, but you know, being around our colleagues in higher education and our partners, there's an intentional drive to this work. And I want to share that intentionality. I think that's where I'm coming from, Leslie. Like, mm-hmm. I want to share our intentionality around this work that it's not just workforce development, mm-hmm. it's empowerment, it's mobility, it's access, it's all the things we know, right? All the things that we know the benefits of the work, we know what the benefits are, right? But I think to your point, it's worth articulating. It's worth discussing Mm -hmm. and reminding. And reminding. I think sometimes we get lost in the weeds of, like we talked about earlier, we get lost in the weeds of the funding source. We get lost in the weeds of even just day-to-day stuff, you know? Well, I was thinking about a conversation I was overhearing 
Actually, I was in the bathroom and some, they were having a conversation and it, we were all going back to the That's same like space. That's like the best the place to have conversations. I was, like, I was like, oh, they're really talking about internships <laughs> and how these internships change their lives. And this one woman was saying it was a hardship for her to take the internship, but it changed her life. It was a hardship because she was supporting her family or she was, you know, and now we know here that, you know, we try to get paid internships because we view it as an equity issue right. and because, you know, we don't want students to miss out on those opportunities at network building, all those things they miss out on if they can't afford to do a free internship. Mm-hmm. But it's worth saying that. It's worth saying out loud. It's an equity issue. That's right. Internships have to be paid because X, Y, and Z. Because it's resonating. Because people are living it. This person probably, I'm going to guess, did her internship many years ago. And and it was a hardship. Well, she knows that because she lived it. Mm -hmm. It's worth saying it. It's worth saying, isn't that an equity issue? Like, let's frame it in today's language. Isn't that, wouldn't your life have been so much better if someone had paid you to do that work? You wouldn't have had to sacrifice this or that. You would, you know, you wouldn't have to choose what you were going to do, or it's worth saying this stuff. Mm-hmm. And also, let's just also share that, you know, our time is invaluable. Like time is, how do you put a price tag on time? Using that example of that story you shared is our students have very real responsibilities. And I'm just, I'm just not talking about mm-hmm. our community college students and students in general. Like, mm-hmm. you know, they have very real responsibilities, paying for their household, uh, you know, et cetera, taking care of their families, child, child care. care. And yet There's a lot of stuff. Yeah, life stuff, life stuff. And yet we expect yeah. them to carve out time away from that, that they will not get back. Right. right. At no cost because it's taken directly away from their responsibility, directly taken away from their, from mm-hmm. their livelihood, directly taken away from, responsibilities that they have with their families and themselves. And so like even just that example, Leslie, for us to be talking more about that. I would also add to that the need for colleges to mix up their schedules a little bit so that we can let people have their day Mm -hmm. jobs. You know, there's probably a lot of people that can't take all the classes that we offer at the times we offer them. We do have night classes. I'm not saying we don't. I'm just saying maybe we look at that too. There's a lot of things that People shouldn't have to make the choice between getting an education or having this invaluable workplace experience Mm -hmm. and paying their rent and X, Y, and Z, right? And living. How do they say that on the social media, the adulting? Yeah. Which I have mixed feelings about that term, but Mm -hmm. adulting's hard. You know? (laughs) So, I mean, you know what I mean? Like, it's, there's a lot of considerations. So, I think it's worth having those conversations. But see, you just underscored what we just talked about, right? Like, it's our duty, meaning our duty our, as practitioners in this space, you and I and others, mm-hmm. that we declare that, that we share that out, that we have real talk about that because that's the non-transactional, right? Those are the non-transactional mm-hmm. things that we need to be spending time on as a system or that informs how funding is structured even, mm-hmm. Right. That is a real example. That's a real example where there's tangible solutions to, and yet I think as a system, we tiptoe around it. Like we don't really talk about it. Like, why aren't we talking about it? Is it because we don't have the time? Is it because we're afraid? Is it because we don't know enough information? Is it because, you know, let's fill in the blank. But I think that's what you and I have been talking about. We need to do more of that because it informs the work of higher ed. 
and specifically, you know, this institution and others, but I'm glad you brought that up because that's a real life example of what we're talking about here. As you were talking too, I was thinking about how other like outside agencies might handle some of these barriers. Mm. So think of something like transportation. So you have an outside agency and they're going to say, well, we're going to solve this barrier by giving out bus passes or we're providing whatever, you know, and even here we have basic needs initiatives here on campus. All the campuses do at this point. So if you're having, you know, food insecurity, we have a pantry. If you have housing concerns, you know, there's different things that colleges are doing to address those basic needs for students, Mm -hmm. which is great. But outside agencies do it too. Like how can we leverage the resources we have to minimize the barriers? I certainly don't mean to suggest that outside agencies aren't minimizing barriers or trying to minimize barriers. I assume, and I've seen that in a lot of cases they're leveraging their resources to provide a solution. You know, sometimes just providing that solution is not the same thing as solving the problem. Mm -hmm. But that's social work across the board, right? Providing relief is not the same as eradicating. And how do you eradicate these big social issues? That's not the purpose of this podcast. Or We'll leave that to other people to to solve all those kind of problems. But I I feel like there's definitely a, a need to create space to discuss the things we can. Well, it's our duty. It's our duty to raise that awareness. When we're talking sometimes, and I feel like it's dramatic, but I'm like, it's a moral imperative. And it's like, is it though? But I mean, it kind of is. is. Like, it kind of is for me. So, like, it's important when you think about it. If what we do matters, then we should take an interest in it at that level. That's right. And it does. And it does matter to us. And I know just within our own network that it matters to others too. Mm-hmm. I think it just, to your point, just raising the awareness and allowing space for that dialogue to happen. And I think that we're in a really kind of unique position to do that in the upcoming year Mm -hmm. in a variety of different ways. And I'm just really looking forward to it because you and I have no problem talking about the uncomfortable conversation, like having uncomfortable conversations is kind of our specialty, but it's always done in a very tasteful way. Like I just want to be very, you know, very mindful of that, but it's okay. I guess what I'm trying to say at the end of the day, what I'm trying to say is that it's okay it's okay to have these uncomfortable mm-hmm. conversations because most of the time I should say, not only does it raise awareness, but it also ignites ideation around solutions to the work and around elements of the work that we had may not have considered. It informs our work. I mean, it's just important to have. And so I look forward to it, Leslie. Yeah. And I suspect that you're going to have like a ton of things to talk about. So Well, I I just wanted to make a point that sometimes the conversations are only uncomfortable because we don't think we should be having them because we're too busy focusing on delivering. Mm. And so we don't think it's our place to have those conversations. I love that. And so what I'm proposing is that it's only uncomfortable because you're not used to it. And it's absolutely appropriate to have those conversations in higher education. It's absolutely appropriate for us to lead those conversations for PCC to host things Mm -hmm. or to, you know, it's perfectly acceptable. It's only uncomfortable because we're not used to it. And as far as outside agencies, I can't speak to outside Mm -hmm. agencies and what their threshold is Mm -hmm. for uncomfortable conversations. But I think that in terms of initiating the conversation, facilitating the conversation, I feel like it's not uncomfortable for us because it makes sense, Mm -hmm. but it might be uncomfortable for other people only because they don't think they're supposed to, or they, because they're focused on hitting those metrics, securing that funding Sustaining those programs, which are so often, like we heard today, understaffed, underfunded, overworked, 
trying to do meaningful work, but, you know, having a hard time kind of treading water is what happens in so many different areas, you know, so many different industries and so many different agencies. So we, you hear it all the time. Yeah. People are trying to do a lot with a little. Yeah. And constantly trying to get more. I'll tell you what, that's a beautiful way to like sunset this conversation because like you have put a call to action for all of us, those listening and you and I is like, let's have the uncomfortable conversations. Yeah. And what are they? And what are they? You tell us, you know, tell us what those uncomfortable conversations are. I mean, we have our opinions, but these are just our opinions. You know, it's just our observations. We went to a meeting, we had some thoughts, we're sharing them with you. We've hardly exhausted any topics. We're just proposing that maybe there's a conversation we can have around. Mm Mm-hmm. Some bigger issues. That's right. Well, I think that's a great way to not only sunset this conversation and reflect upon the year and three things, reflection, position us for greatness in 2024, to have these uncomfortable conversations so that it informs our work and our duty here in this space. And then lastly, what a great way. It's positive, informative, and there's certainly a call to action for us. Not only just to the listener, but obviously for us, you and I, because we're always, you know, working on the next, on the next, on the next, on the next. But I love the fact that you've asked our listener to tell us, tell us what's up. Tell us what conversations we should be having. Beautiful. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for letting me think through my thoughts from the day. It's always nice to reflect and, you know, providing space for that. I don't, hopefully, you know folks listening don't wonder why we're working it out here but (laughs) that's right but you know there's still stuff to share there certainly is there certainly is well till next time my friend thank you so much thank you for listening to the future of work podcast make sure you're subscribed on your favorite listening platform so you can easily get new episodes every tuesday You can reach out to us by clicking on the website link below in the show notes to collaborate, partner, or just chat about all things Future of Work. We'd love to connect with you. All of us here at the Future of Work and Pasadena City College wish you safety and wellness.